helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. In Federalist 58, James Madison said, This power over the purse may, in fact, be regarded as the most complete and effectual weapon with which any constitution can arm the immediate representatives of the people for obtaining a redress of every grievance and for carrying into effect every just and salutary measure. Now, With the recent passage of the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, we should not only see that we the people have lost control over the purse, but that our immediate representatives in the House feel no compulsion to restrain their out-of-control spending habits. Plenty of people are asking what can be done about Congress's abuse of their spending and borrowing authority. Few, however, are talking about the true solution, an educated and engaged electorate. Let's take a look at some some more of this ridiculous spending, then see how we, the people, can regain control of this effectual weapon to redress our grievances. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you could join me. I keep saying it. You know, John Jay told us that it is incumbent on all of us to read and study the Constitution, to do so diligently. He said, by knowing our rights, we'll sooner perceive when they're violated and be the better prepared to defend and assert them. Well, isn't that also true about when our representatives in government, whether or not they're following the law or not. So let's take a look at some of the uh, some of these more ridiculous um, ridiculous nonsense in the spending bill. Now, I get, did go through some of this when the Senate uh, passed this bill, and, and and since then the House has now uh, passed the bill, and of course they go running home for for Christmas, leaving us with a giant one point seven trillion dollar lump of coal in our stocking. But for those of us, I've seen so many people talk about, well, you know, we should have waited until January, then the Republicans would have been in control of the House. Yeah, well, somehow I don't expect the Republicans to have done much better. Why? History. Remember, a lot of this spending that that we went through for COVID started under a Republican, uh, a Republican Congress. So when when uh, you know most of the of the Republicans, I think only nine Republicans in the House actually voted for this. Um, to me, that seemed more like a partisan issue than than true fiscal responsibility. And and even then, you know, look at look at the spending that has happened under Republican Congresses in the past, and we've got no reason to trust that the the GOP would do any better. <laughs> Although I did find it rather funny when Mitt Romney said he didn't trust a a GOP Congress to uh, to craft a budget. Now again, Mitt Romney he's a he's a senator from Utah. He claims to be a Republican, but he doesn't trust his own party to draft a uh, 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 to, to to draft a budget. Then again, look at what the Democrats did, and it's. The problems are legion, not just in what the spending is, but the entire process. I think it's been 20 plus years since Congress has actually fulfilled the legal responsibility to pass a budget and then to pass the six basic uh, appropriations bills. Uh, 
they just throw all this omnibus nonsense together and, and we have to live with the consequences. Now, let's take a look at some of the things that were in this bill, just so we can set the, the context, right? So $45 billion is going to Ukraine. Now, whether you think it's you know, something that the American people should be doing or funding, understand we are sending billions of dollars to Ukraine to protect them from a Russian invasion while we're spending very little, much less enforcing the laws, to deal with the influx of illegal aliens coming into this country. Kind of shows the priority of those in Congress, doesn't it? Not protecting our borders, but protecting the borders of a foreign country. The, the bill also sets aside part of the District of Columbia to be Ukrainian Independence Park. I'm sure that was that's a real high priority for most of the American people, having a, a park in, in, in Washington, D.C. And remember, this bill had to be passed because, oh my God, if we don't, the government will shut down. And you know, what's so important in this bill? Well, how about $11 million for well, different LGBT-themed projects? Um, how about uh, tens of millions of dollars in what they refer to as necessary expenses well, things like the restoration of the Pacific salmon population or um, or over half a billion dollars for family planning and reproductive health. Yet that's what we needed. Without that, you know, the, the country would have just come to an, an utter stop. Of course, you know, we, we've got the earmarks for the different uh, for, for different uh, politicians. Not just Democrats. you got Republicans there. There's $60 million for... Uh, uh, Lisa Murkowski's work up in Alaska, um, including uh, uh, restoring indigenous safety empowerment tribe uh, tribal domestic violence shelters. Again, I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying they're not a federal issue. And another Republican, uh, Rich Shelby, he got a, he got uh, 650 plus million dollars with their remarks, including 35 million for Spring Hill College, Alabama, so they can. Uh, support you know, f uh, facilities and equipment. That's a federal issue. There's almost uh, a million dollars going to the equity incubator at the University of Shady Grove. Uh, uh, Jim Inhofe, uh, let's see, he got $40 million for the Tulsa uh, International Airport Air Traffic Control Tower. And of course, they, they decided they're going to rename a federal building after House speaking, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, we know without that, man, the country would just would have just ground to a halt. There's uh, a $2.3 million for the Secretary of Education to uh, conduct outreach to borrowers to see, well, how many uh, student loans that uh, President Biden can, can forgive, can, can steal for the American people to pay off. You know, and I, I mentioned our borders and the fact that, you know, the, the federal government... And, and especially the Biden administration seems absolutely completely disinterested in enforcing federal law. But they're going to take $410 million to reimburse Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman for enhanced border security. That's right. We are paying for foreign countries to enhance their border security while we're effectively tearing ours down. There's $1.5 million going to the COVID-19 American History Project. Oh, there's got good use of funds. There's $3.6 million going to the Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia. 
$2 million going to the, the National Great Blacks in Wax Museum in Baltimore. And another was 790000 to California, to Sonoma County's Equitable Energy Resilience and EV Infrastructure. Now, you know what's interesting in all of these things? There's not one of them that's constitutionally authorized. The closest you might get is, okay, if you're talking about uh, border security overseas, if you can tie that to our, uh, the general, the, the um, common defense of the, of the Union, maybe. Most of this stuff is actually embezzlement. It's fraud. Because you look at the Constitution. The federal government can collect taxes to do three things. To pay the debts of the United States, to, for the common defense of the United States, and for the general welfare of the United States, capital U, capital S. That's a proper noun. The same one used in the Tenth Amendment says, if the Constitution doesn't give a power to the United States, it doesn't belong to it. Yet most of this stuff is exercising powers that, don't, that have never been delegated to the United States, therefore they don't belong to the United States. But here we have Congress, once again, uh, appropriating powers, appropriating money. And this idea that, that Madison said that the power of the purse would be a redress of grievance. Yet, yet those who command the power of the purse, our immediate representatives, our employees in the House of Representatives, are the ones that are giving us the grievances we need to redress. So what do we do? Well... One thing we could do is keep doing what we've been doing for the last several decades. Trying to get one team or another voted into office and pray that somehow, magically, they will change things. Maybe if we change control, the, the, maybe we get the House of Democrats and the Senate to the Republicans, or vice versa, or, or, or all to the Democrats or other. Maybe some combination of political parties will fix this mess. We've been doing that for decades, and it hasn't made a difference. Maybe if we get the right president in, in office, whether it's a, a, a donkey or an elephant, or, or maybe it's the right person, whether it's an Obama or a Trump, if we just get the right person in office, well, then everything will be fine. But we've tried that before, and, and that doesn't work. Because we keep forgetting that the people who are initiating this spending work for us. The 435 people who hold seats in the House of Representatives are our employees. They work for us. Yet we refuse to hold them accountable for their malfeasance. Every two years they come around saying, no, no, we'll get it right this time. Just put our people in office and we'll get it right this time. And they never do. Because Congress, as a representative of the people, is the symptom. Congress isn't the problem. We, the people, are the problem. I know, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear, uh, you know, if I just follow this 12-step program, magically all, all the problems will go away. Sorry, folks. doesn't work that way. Well, if we simply blame the rotten donkeys, the rotten elephants, sorry. 
they're not the cause of the problem. They're a symptom. Remember, Washington said that the the uh, spirit of revenge natural to party politics. It's the spirit of revenge that we get when we follow parties, which is part of what's gotten us here. But until the American people recognize that every dime that's spent in their name, every dime spent by the federal government spent in their name, is, is appropriated by the people that represent us. That we have let go of the reins of the purse strings. We've let go of the purse strings. And, and therefore, we've, we've left Congress without check. Because no matter how bad they act, no matter how badly they embezzle money from us, no matter how fraudulently they treat us, no matter how many times they lie to us, we keep electing the same people over and over again. And on the rare occasions that we do change the names on the nameplates, we're putting the same type of person in place. You see, that $1.7 trillion tab that Congress has given us, they do that because they know no matter how ridiculous how they spend their money, no matter how, how fraudulently how much they embezzle, no matter how badly they mismanage our money, no matter how treacherously they go about appropriating money, they know that the American people will never fire them for their fiscal mismanagement. That we will always give them more of our money to spend, either directly or we'll, we'll co-sign. We'll put our name on the dotted line for them to borrow more money. They know we will keep letting them do that. And as long as they know that we will keep picking up the tab for their malfeasance, they have absolutely no reason to change. They're like spoiled children. They have no reason to even consider changing because they know there will never be a punishment. They will never lose their jobs over it. They'll never be held accountable for their actions. So they've got no reason to even try to be fiscally responsible because we, the people, will never hold them accountable. Now, there's more than just fiscal malfeasance in this omnibus monstrosity, but I have to take a break before I get there. Before I go, though, you still have a little bit of time left. You have until New Year's Day to get 20% off my books, my Made in Tennessee t-shirts. Just go to constitutionstudy.com, click the shop, uh, the books and more section, and uh, find those sales going on. Again, you have until New Year's Day to do that. Now, also, if you're like me, you, you get to the end of a day, you just, you, you're having a hard time focusing. Well, some people reach for a cup of coffee, some for an energy drink. I got a much better solution for you. So I use focus and recall from Healthy Cell. Helps boost my short-term focus and my long-term memory, all with vitamins and supplements that are designed to help my body to, at a cellular level. Now, you, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell if you use the code OUTLOUD. 
So go to HealthyCell.com, try any of their products. I love their Focus and Recall. I use their Immune Super Boost and their REM Sleep. But today I'm talking about Focus and Recall. Put your card together, and when you check out, use the code out loud. So once again, go to HealthyCell.com, use that code out loud at checkout. You'll get 25% off your first order. And uh, lets them know that you are an America Out Loud listener. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track, in an easy, effective, and very tasty way. Switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're taking advantage of the recent passage of the Omnibus Bill, to discuss the power of the purse, the ability to control things through money. Now, we've already talked about where some of this money is being spent and the, the obvious agendas, the priorities that it speaks of. There's an old saying I heard, you know, if you want to know what somebody values, look at their checkbook. I don't think that's entirely accurate, but it certainly does give you a sense of what is important to people based on what they spend money on. Is it cars? Is it homes? Is it vacations? Is it food? So we can tell a lot by what these spending bills include. But because we use this omnibus system, because the people that work for us have decided the best way to serve us is to trick us by hiding all their nasty little nonsense inside of other legislation, we get to see a lot more of what their agenda is than simply by what they spend money on. Not saying that what they spend money on is not important. I'm just saying it's not the only thing we can see here. For example, in the omnibus, well, 
let's just say we found some interesting, um, well, I know people like to call it gun control. What it really is is people control legislation. For example, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosives, well, they got a rather large uh, budget increase, 14% budget increase. Well, this kind of makes sense, being that Biden has said he wants to ban what he refers to as assault weapons and, and other things. So he's got to have the enforcers to put that in place. There was also a 56, I'm sorry, a 50% increase in the ATF's uh, budget for uh, keeping a gun registry. Now, Congress has said it's illegal for the federal government to keep a gun registry, but the ATF uh, has a, a group that uh, keeps track of what are the old 4473s. Now, if you're not familiar, that's the form you fill out when you purchase a firearm from a gun store that uh, they do the background check with. And the store is supposed to hold on to it. They were supposed to hold on to it, I think, for like seven years and then destroy them. And then it got they had to hold on to them indefinitely. Of course, when that store goes out of business, guess who gets all the paperwork? That's right, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Uh, there's also $700 million plus to uh, bribe states into passing so-called red flag laws. Well, they're gun confiscation laws. The, the, the theory being, you know, well, if somebody, you think somebody might be a danger to themselves, let's not get them help. Let's not make sure they're not a danger to themselves. Another. Let's just take the guns away from them without any due process. Well, maybe you'll get some due process after the fact. They're getting $700 million uh, out of this omnibus bill. They're also directing uh, Veterans Affairs Medical Centers, well, to use confiscation orders to take guns away from what they refer to as vulnerable veterans. Uh, there's the Department of Education. They're going to push for, quote-unquote, safe storage of parents' firearms. Now, I put the scare quotes around safe storage because rarely is the storage they're considered, they're putting together, truly safe. Uh, to them, a safe firearm is one you can't get to. But it's interesting. They haven't been able to convince the parents. They haven't been able to pass laws in the states. So we're going to get the kids to push their parents into uh, uh, high, locking their firearms up so that even the parents can't use them. Now, listen, I understand when, you know, when there were small children in my house and whenever children come to my home or, or people I don't know visit my home, my guns are locked up. It's kind of the standard thing. But the idea that um, we're going to criminalize somebody who has a gun in a tactical location but isn't locked and secured the way people want, or the, my personal favorite, we're going to lock the guns in one room and the ammunition in another room, which is really not that safe when someone breaks into your home. But that's part of the omnibus bill. And while we're talking about storing guns, they want the VA to maintain a storage map. They want to keep tabs on where veterans are keeping their guns. And there's one there's one's interesting. They're, they're creating an, uh, a compensation fund for families of deceased ATF agents. Are they expecting a massive increase in dead ATF agents? I wonder what would cause that. Maybe the illegal confiscation of guns? That might do it. There are earmarks for uh, uh, different... Um, they call themselves gun safety groups, including groups discouraging women from exercising their rights. See, little known fact, um, 
the numbers in, there are more women purchasing guns for the first time than men. Well, apparently that's something that the, that the uh, Congress wants to discourage. And again, all sorts of little uh, support for little groups that are trying to, well, discourage people from exercising a right protected by the Constitution. So there's a lot of gun control listed in there. Now, one of the things that's been interesting, and, and it's not so much under the uh, um, the omnibus bill, but it's something that, that caused a lot of, of um, agita. See, under current law, the uh, uh, if you do a transaction of, I believe it, someone said $20,000. I thought it was... $10,000. Maybe it depends. Maybe it's a bank, it's $10,000. If it's a cash app, it's $20,000. That transaction has to be reported to the federal government. Now, why? This is the part I keep asking. What is the probable cause that a transaction of that size is illegal? There isn't one. There's there's some, well, this person might be, I'm sorry, might be is not probable cause. So the IRS decided to put in a requirement that, hey, if you use PayPal or Venmo or Cash App, um, any transaction over $600 will be reported to the feds. Apparently, that got a lot of, uh, well, that got a lot of pushback. And uh, they've, the IRS, they haven't scrapped it. They're going to delay the implementation. So for all those people who are expecting to get a bunch of 1099Ks for this type of transaction, um Apparently, they're going to push that back a year because, well, again, a lot of people were pushing back on none of your business. Now, here's my question. Will they just keep bringing it back and, 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 and postponing it until the American people start stop griping apart it, about it? But again, this is the, the power of the purse. If the federal government, let's think of it this way. You're making a transaction. You know it's over $600. Do you want it reported to the IRS? But, Paul, if you've got nothing to hide, that's not the way it works. See, I have everything to defend. I don't have to hide something. I have the right to be secure from unreasonable searches. I, I have the right to to not have the Fed, the government, any government, seeking and snooping around because they think maybe possibly I could be doing something wrong. That's the not that's not the way a free country works. And think about it. Let's say you, you, you've picked up a, a side job, right? Whether it be uh, uh, Uber or uh, DoorDash or any one of these, you know, Upworks, any one of these little side hustles to earn a little extra cash. Well, again, it's your legal responsibility to report your income. But if you're talking about having to, have to report every $600 transaction, all that does is make more paperwork, cost you more money, and to me, it's more of an intimidation factor than anything else. Show me where a $600 transaction is probable cause. Yeah, no, you can't. You see, there's a reason why it's called probable cause and not possible cause. See, it's not the possibility that it could be a crime. There must be a probability that there is a crime. And if the federal government wants that money, if any government wants that, that, that information, they've got to get a warrant. And all the IRS is doing, and the federal government is doing, is bullying private companies into doing their dirty work for them. 
which means I wonder, are they, uh, does that make these companies uh, complicit in the deprivation of rights under color of law? Would that make it a conspiracy, which would be a Section 241 action? Very interesting from my standpoint. Now, there's other places, and not even just in legislation, where we see that the federal government is, well, spending their money. They're using the power of the purse to influence you. Well, for example, there's a group called the Protect the Public Trust, and uh, they've received some emails that suggest that the White House is funding, is sponsoring foreign journalists to cover, quote-unquote, climate change topics. Now, now listen, whether or not you believe climate change is real, how much of an impact, how much of it is human, the point is, is it really the role of the federal government to create propaganda? That's exactly what this is. This is the this is the White House. This is your federal government using your taxpayer money to influence, sponsor uh, foreign journalists to create propaganda for them. And if you think that propaganda is remaining overseas, well, I highly doubt that. Oh, for example, uh, Biden's climate czar John Kerry had an exchange with the uh, Foreign Press Center about a, um, a, a journalism tour. Uh, the idea of getting journalists to, to uh, cover this type of information and have that reporting, well, again, go out. And it's gonna, especially in today's day and age, it's going to go around the world. So we have the Biden administration um, paying foreign journalists to make propaganda that will be eventually consumed not just by foreigners, but by, well, by Americans. And again, if it's not a question of, well, you know, climate change is real. Well, fine. If it's real, then you sponsor it. See, the, part of the idea of freedom of the press is not simply that they can't stop you from exercising press. It's that the federal government is not supposed to meddle in the press. But when you have the federal government sponsoring journalists to cover certain topics, which of course comes with the strings of covering them certain ways, you don't have a free press. And in many ways, that's exactly what the the big government uh, tyrants want, whether they be progressives or conservatives. They want to control the news because they, so they can control what you think. We saw it with the with the Twitter files. We're seeing it now with, with others where the uh, uh, those in government are looking to mold the news into something they find more helpful. And since I mentioned the Twitter files, let's talk a little bit about social media. See, the White House wants to award a $500,000 grant, your money, to create an AI model that would detect, quote-unquote, microaggressions across social media. You remember those, those those innocent little phrases that people get their panties in a twist and blow all out, all out of proportions? Yeah, well, now you have the Biden administration wants to use machine learning to find them, assumedly to do something about them. What, I'm not exactly sure, because we used to have a thing in this country called freedom of speech, which means I may say something offensive, too bad. Unless I actually threaten somebody or deprive them of a right, I get to say what I want. I get to publish what I want. But more and more, we're seeing 
Those in government, they want control. They, so now we're going to use computers to find those that are saying things we don't like. Because remember, we're talking in a, a model to detect microaggressions. Well, who's going to establish the model? Who's going to define the parameters of the model? Is it going to be somebody like me that looks and says um, subtle threats of violence? Or is it going to be somebody that says, I don't like the way you refer to that person? You didn't use the right pronouns. Or, um, uh, would, you know, it's going to be somebody like me that says, you know, gun control is uh, uh, two hands, a firm grip, and a steady stance. Or is it going to be somebody that says, oh, you said gun. That's a microaggression. We must shut you up. See, all these little things are floating around, and they're not being hidden because they don't have to. Because for the most part, the American people pay no attention to how our immediate representatives are spending our money. And I'm going to keep back. That's what, what uh, James Mattis was saying, is that it's the immediate representatives of the people that are, are to control the purse strings. But we've let go of the purse strings for those immediate representatives. So now you have uh, Congress spending trillions of dollars on money, on things that they're not authorized to. You have other government agencies spending millions and billions of dollars on unconstitutional legal activities, and Congress does nothing to stop them. Where's the, the bill to uh, eliminate funding for these illegal programs for these these this AI tool or for the uh, uh, the the propaganda machine it's nowhere because the people we hire that are supposed to be doing this aren't doing it and we the sheep will keep hiring the same people again and again and again and we wonder why things don't change because we're crazy we're insane, or at least that's what Albert Einstein said, because we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, and when we don't get a different result, we're confused. But we're confused because of our own flawed understanding, our, our own misunderstanding that our congressmen and women work for us, and if they're not doing the job, if we're not happy with the entire job that they're doing, isn't it time to fire them? Or at least reprimand them. But let me ask you, when was the last time you actually had a meeting with your member of the House of Representatives? It probably was never. On average, a House member represents about 700 to 750,000 people. They have no time to meet with us. Therefore, how can they be our immediate representatives? Because we don't follow the Constitution that says we're supposed to have one representative, representative for every 30,000 people. But Congress just stopped. They just stopped following the Constitution, and we said nothing. This is a, a problem of our own making. That's why I say it's not the, uh, uh, the, the spending is not the disease. It's the symptom. It's a symptom of an apathetic electorate. It's a symptom of an uninformed electorate. And it is the symptom that is killing freedom and liberty in the United States. Now, there are other examples that I want to get to, but again, I have to take another break first. But I want to remind you, you know, I don't want you to listen to one side, even if that one side is me. So you can go to AmericaOutloud.com and you can hear different voices from different points of view, discussing, debating, even in some cases, arguing with each other about it. 
You can also get the latest news and happenings. It's a great resource. So do me a favor. Go to America Out Loud every day. I do. Look for the, the, the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos. But don't just consume them. Share them. That's the, that's the key. If we're going to have a, a, if we want the House of Representatives to be responsive to our needs, we need to communicate with them with data. And that means sharing this information. So do me a favor, go to AmericaOutloud.com, find those interesting articles, stories, and videos, share the link, share them with friends, family, social media, so that we can all work together to secure the blessings of liberty. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about the power of the person. I have something I want you to think about. So imagine you're a patriotic American. You, you believe in this country, and as such, you want to volunteer. Maybe you're not in the military, but you, you volunteer, say, for the National Guard. You want to be part of your state militia. You want to be there if you were needed. Now, part of that is you, you spend time uh, either in, in drills or in service, and, well, you're going to get paid for it, right? Something you would expect. Now, imagine the image that's being shown to these National Guardsmen. See, the National Guard formed, told their troops that their, their last paycheck before Christmas was going to be late. Now, think about that for a second. It's, I know a lot of people, right? You're waiting for that last check to buy the last of the Christmas presents. Now you find out, oh, it's going to be late. 
while at the same time billions of dollars are being sent to Ukraine to pay their troops, to pay for their ammunition, to guard their borders. But if you are a patriotic American, well, we'll pay you later. I'm old enough to remember the old Popeye, right? I will gladly pay you on Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. That's effectively what the Biden administration is telling our National Guard's men and women. And I just want to, if that's not a spit in the eye, what is? You're going to spend billions of dollars to Ukraine, but you're not going to pay us? To me, that's just an example of your priorities. You're more worried about what's going on in Ukraine than what's going on in your own country. Now, the money's being used, is, again, there's a lot of different ways, and I spent a lot of time about how Congress actually spends money. How about how we regulate money? See, Congress came along and said, hey, we need to regulate banking. We need to be involved in all this. And they're using some of those regulations to manipulate manipulate the economy, manipulate people and corporations. I'm currently investigating a situation uh, in my hometown that uh, hopefully when I get some more solid answers, I'll bring to you. But we have a a businessman in Texas who claims that um, his bank would basically hold his loan hostage if he, unless he was willing to uh, um, promote environmental, social governance ideology. Now, the businessman is a Bud Bingham. Uh, He testified before the Texas Senate Committee on State Affairs. He's founder and executive director of Brigham Minerals. And the bank he uses is called Credit Suisse. Now, it's a global investment bank. It's a global bank. But he suggested that the com- he says that the company suggested his loan ac- application would be approved only if he tweeted out statements repeating and promoting the bank's climate agenda. Now listen, um, I don't know about you. I do business with the bank to deal with money, not with climate. And I had an interesting situation. Actually, it was somebody I, I do some stuff with down here. They had an, is- an issue with the bank where the bank was getting nosy. Uh, I happen to have a contact at that bank and I'm investigating further. And I don't want to give out any more until I've got the details. I want to hear both sides of this story. But it certainly seems like we should hear from Credit Suisse and ask, listen, um, are you going to hold loans hostage to your agenda? Now, Credit Suisse is a private bank. I don't believe it's owned by the Swiss. I know it's not owned by the federal government. So if that's the way they want to do business, I don't want to do business with them. And that's what I'm going through right now. Again, I was prepared to open a new account with this new bank when I heard these things happen. And I want to find out, is this bank going to, is this bank trying to enforce some sort of of ESG or other regulatory control over their accounts. And if so, I won't do business with them. See, that's part of the responsibility. We have to understand there are people that disagree with us. We have to let them disagree with us, but we also have to be willing to go find people that will agree with us and do business with them. You know, I sometimes talk about creating a patriotic market, a patriot market. 
as opposed to a black market. A black market is criminal. A patriot market is one that's trying to follow the Constitution. And part of that you can start today by finding businesses that will defend your rights, not try to infringe on your rights. Finding a bank that isn't going to require that you or hold your 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 loan application hostage to some communist propaganda. I mean, this is a type of nonsense you'd see in, in Vietnam during the war or, or some others where a prisoner would have privileges withheld unless they made a public statement in support of the communist regime. Sounds like what Credit Suisse is doing. And I wonder, have you checked to see if your bank is promoting ESG ideology? Will they one day come to you and say, uh, listen, um, we want you to promote some principle of ours if you wish to continue to benefit from our services? Why wait until then? Why not start right now? Find out, is your bank promoting ESG? Is your investment system, is your 401k or other retirement invested with a company that promotes ESG? That see, The thing about ESG is not that you know, people shouldn't be concerned about environmental, social, or governance issues, but the fact that these now have to permeate every aspect of your life. Why does the loan matter if they promote ESG? I've, I've, you know, I saw another example, someone calling for a boycott. And I'm like, I don't like boycotts. Because to me, boycotts are... Um, well, the, the idea is we're going to get a bunch of people to punish somebody for something we don't like. How about you just decide where you're going to use your money? Whether that be at the grocery store, the department store. I mean, I funny, I talk about all these people, or I hear from all these people that seem to hate Walmart, but still keep shopping there. When are we going to take responsibility for how we spend our money? That's part of the purse strings is not just that other people spend your money for you, how do you spend your money? You know, there's, there's more than one reason why I stopped going to Starbucks. A, their coffee's too expensive. And B, I don't like what they do with the money I give them as profits. I, I, if I'm going to give you, you know, I'll make a fair trade for a cup of coffee. But if you're going to use that cup of, that that trade to harm me and my rights, I'm not so happy with that. I can find other places to get a cup of coffee. Same with Burger King, right? I don't I don't go to Burger King anymore. There's one right next to the grocery store. Sometimes if you're running around, it was a quick place to grab a bite to eat. So I, won't bite, I won't eat there anymore because they're taking their money. They're telling me they're taking my money. They did a promotion where they said, if you bought a chicken sandwich, they'd give $2 to some LGBT group. I don't know. So I stopped doing business there. We kind of have to decide what is more important. Is it the convenience or is it your rights? Now, there's one more area I want to deal with spending money before I close out the program. And that is this January 6th abomination of a committee. Now, they previously released, I guess, an executive summary um, they've now released the entire report, all 814 pages of it. And I admit, I haven't read the whole thing, all right? But everything I've heard so far to this committee 
it was a political hatchet job. This, this, this is a purely partisan waste of the American taxpayer's dollar. Remember, the Congress has no general investigatory powers. The only time they have the power to investigate is they can investigate for the creation of a new law or they can investigate for articles of impeachment. They didn't do either. They didn't propose a new law. They didn't uh, issue articles of impeachment. No, no, no. They, quote-unquote, referred Donald Trump to the Department of Justice to consider charges, criminal charges. By the way, those criminal charges, even the one that is possibly criminal, that is incitement to insurrection, is weak. I want to go, I'll go into it some more detail, but understand, when we come to the power of the purse string, the, the, this committee has spent God knows how many millions of dollars of your money for a political hatchet job, for a kangaroo court that ignored the Constitution, ignored due process, ignored the rule of law, ignored the rights of many of the, of the witnesses that they brought before them. And not one of them, well, actually, guess what? Liz Cheney, I think, is the only one who lost her job over it. And this was only one of many things, I believe, that led to her losing her job. Think about that for a minute. And realize just how many of these wasteful spendthrift committees Congress actually has. And the question comes back to, who is holding the purse strings? See, originally, we held the purse strings of our immediate representatives in the House. Because all taxing, all legislation for raising revenue has to originate in the House. That's a requirement of the Constitution. Why? So it would be in the hands of the immediate representatives of the people, the House of Representatives. But we're, we, we're, whether we're talking about spending bills, bills, whether we're talking about uh, restricting illegal spending of other, uh, of other branches and departments, or whether we're talking about the wasting of the money that comes from the House itself, they were supposed to be held accountable by us, by we the people. So how do we fix it? I talked to a lot of people that have a lot of ideas, some better than others. But here's, to me, the only logical, long-term fix to this problem. And that's to recognize the root cause. The root cause isn't Congress, it isn't the donkeys, it isn't the elephants, it isn't Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Mitch McConnell or McCarthy. The, uh, the, the root cause of the problem is an uneducated and complacent American electorate. We sit back while Congress destroys our rights and we do nothing. We stand by while Congress spends trillions, yes, trillions of dollars illegally, fraudulently. They're extorting trillions of dollars from the American people to spend on things they're not authorized to spend on. And we do nothing. We complain about inflation while Congress is spending, is throwing money around like it's monopoly money. Well, they're borrowing trillions of dollars in our name and we do nothing. And ultimately, every two years, they come around and say, here are some goodies, let me bribe you with some nice goodies. 
And we vote for these same people over and over and over again. Now, why? Well, I believe, and, and this is my opinion, I, I don't have any any real scientific proof, but my guess is that the vast majority of the American people have no clue about what Congress is supposed to do. They have no clue that Congress works for them. The House is their representatives. That there are limitations placed on the federal government. Do you know how I, how, why I come to that conclusion? The number of times I see people claiming Congress must do something that they're constitutionally forbidden from doing. The number of times someone comes to me and says, well, you know, we should follow this solution. I said, yeah, but that violates the Constitution. But it's the right thing to do. They don't know. And because of their general ignorance and because I believe our government-run schools have trained them to simply do what they're told, they're also apathetic. But something interesting happens when I start working with people and they start seeing that, no, you don't have to be passive subjects of what the federal government wants to do. You not only have a say, you have power. And it, that power comes not from our government-run school systems. It comes not from the Constitution, believe it or not. But it comes from education. You know, it's funny, a little while back, I did my, my two-minute proof that the CDC does not legally exist. And you'd be surprised some of the rantings and ravings I got calling me all sorts of names. Some people said, Paul, this is great, this is wonderful. This is information we need. Others called me everything from a gaslighter to an insurrectionist. However, everything I provided was factually accurate. I, I was quoted from the Constitution and one case from the Supreme Court. See, when you're educated, when you learn these things, your eyes start to open. And you realize, no, I have the ability to say no. Now, if I say no alone, I'm kind of a target. Which means, leads to the next part of the education. Hey, how can I help educate my neighbors on what this really, on what the Constitution says, what powers we the people have, and what limitations we have placed on government, and it's our job to enforce them. It's our job to hire representatives that will fulfill their oath to support the Constitution. And I'm not just talking about the House of Representatives. I'm talking about your sheriff. I'm talking about your county officials. I'm talking about county election boards. I'm talking about your state legislatures. I'm talking about your governor, your district attorney, your state attorney general. All of these places, these offices that are chosen by the people, if we were better educated and we decided we were going to choose better people, well, then we'd have fewer of these problems. I know it's not a quick fix. It's not sexy. But like so many things in life, it's the hard work that gets you the true reward. Which is why I keep coming back to Mr. J, Mr. John J. Every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. As we approach New Year, make a resolution. Whether you, if you believe in resolutions, make a resolution. If you don't believe in resolutions, just, pro, just do this for me. 
Take some time in the month of January and read the Constitution. It's only 8,000 words. It shouldn't take you more than 20, 30 minutes. You need more help? I got a book that'll help you. Go to constitutionstudy.com under books and more. But make that first step. Join the rest of us in learning our true power as we the people, the sovereigns of this country. And then spread the word. Let other people know. They can hear the Constitution study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. You can also find our podcast on your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, if you can subscribe and rate the program on Apple Podcasts, it helps other people find us as well. You can find all the links at the homepage of AmericaOutloud.com. But join us. Join the community here at the Constitution Study that we can help share and educate each other. And by doing so, we can share with them the blessings of liberty from sea to shining sea. <laughs>